0: Welcome to our next installment of the Rebels with a Heart virtual conference series. It's been an ongoing segment where we've featured great leaders across all different areas of business, different companies, really showing the next generation of leadership and what leadership with a heart looks like in terms of Rebels breaking the rules, creating new rules and and establishing what a healthy business and personal relationship can look like. I'm Derek Winston, CEO of Life Guides. And uh, we're building a platform for preparing people to do start very good by using technology to match people who have been through a life challenge of some sort with those who are going through the same or a very similar experience now to provide peer-to-peer mentorship support and guidance to help people get happier, healthier, and more productive in both their work life and home life and where those come together. Welcome, everyone, to Rebels with a Heart. Very excited about our guest today. He's a good friend, someone who has personally inspired me, and I think is doing a lot of great work in the world. Vaughn Kohler, welcome to Rebels with a Heart.
1: Good to be with you, Derek. It's been a oh. long time coming. You're a very patient man. And, you know, there was that little cancer thing that got in the way of us meeting. So,
0: yeah, I think you have fair, fair reason and focus in your life. <laughs> and what's important. And I'm um, happy to be patient and supportive for for that, Vaughn. So I'm, I'm glad to see that you're doing well, that you're healthy. Yeah. You got a good energy about you, like at the aura there, so you're looking good. And um, thank you. Yeah,
1: no, I'm very blessed. Um, you know, things could have gone really badly, and like with anybody who has cancer, it could come back. But you know, you take you take two days, or I almost said you take two days at a time. You take yeah. one day at a time, and you know, I just trust the Lord. But I'm very, very blessed to uh, to be cancer free.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I mean, one of, of the uh, other recent guests I had on the show, uh, Robert Ellis, another friend of mine, who's is, is actually done a lot of coaching in the tech world, um, has terminal oh. cancer. He came on and was talking about his journey. Wow. And wow. it was really, I mean, it was really a really impactful interview. So I'll make sure that I share that with you because yeah. then even, maybe you guys would enjoy knowing each other. Um, yeah. just, he has a very Absolutely. refreshing perspective on what that has taught him and just the level of presence that he has now in his life. And just how he's showing up has been really powerful. It's a really good idea. So I'm glad that you're healed. I'm glad that you're here, especially because you have a lot of work left to do between your family and what you're bringing to the world. I know you're you're the young baby and three other, four other kids. Yeah. You have a lot, you have a lot of life and a lot of purpose to, to contribute still. So.
1: Thank you. I like to think so. And uh, it appears that God thinks so too, because like I said, it was shown great mercy and, and uh, you know, it, it is, when you go through something like that and and i had uh neuroendocrine cancer i had uh, tumors in my liver and in my small intestine and it's just a weird kind of cancer and it can pop up anywhere at any time um but you know it is weird it's just a paradox i'm going through that i wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy and yet and this is what i'm sure your friend would say it does really drive home to people who are experiencing that, the sacredness of life yeah. and, and how the things that are really important are, you know, your loved ones and yeah. the impact that you're going to make on people and the things that, that last for eternity, not just, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm a good entrepreneur, just like you are. And I'm, I'm all about, you know, creating wealth, which we'll talk about in the future. Um, but really at the end of the day, it's, yeah. it's, it's relationships that matter and the, those things that make life sacred. So, like and incredible. you have a really uh, a much deepened uh, ability to to understand that when you're going through something like cancer.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for what it's worth, that is the entirety of what you just said about knowing what it's like because you've been through it. That that's the entire basis of what we're building with Life Guys, right? The idea that mm-hmm. someone who's gone through a particular experience or, or event or a challenge or lessons that they're experiencing as now, now on the other side, yeah. Can, be a guide or a mentor for someone who's going through that same moment. Right. And yeah. so you, that story, those lessons, those those perspectives that you've gathered now have the ability to be shared in service of someone else's journey and, and their own struggle. And you're in essence, potentially helping them lift a the burden or give them a new point of view, yeah. or frankly giving them hope, right? That they can yeah. they can persevere sure. through it and that someone else has been there and that they're not they're not unique or alone in this situation, that there's others. And they can call upon that community and that tribe that is around them. And that's what we're building ultimately. So, Absolutely. so it's, it's a nice, that was a nice tee up. So thank you for that, Don. <laughs> we're, we're on the show though. <laughs> I'm rebels all about is- providing value. Yeah.
1: It, Honestly, it, it, I love promoting. I mean, I have friends that are doing amazing things like yourself. So I'm, I'm all about promoting their stuff.
0: Cool. So let's talk about this one, promoting you and yeah. your spirit. Um, you're on rebels with a heart. I, yeah. I like to ask this question what is what does that mean to you what is what is a rebel with a heart As, in terms of your life experience and your lessons and your wisdom how would you define that for von yeah.
1: that's a great question and you know i'm sure your audience is fairly diverse in terms of the the spectrum that they're on in terms of uh their faith or or their belief i would say that whether you are a person of faith or whether you just don't you know subscribe to anything like that i would say that most of us agree with a a a a famous quote by uh, Albert Einstein, which is, he said one time, I doubt the majority is ever right. <laughs> he said, I doubt the majority is ever right. And, you know, the Christian faith teaches that basically across the board, the the world system is sort of stacked against good, right? Um, and there are people like my friend, Andy Frisella, who think that there's an establishment that, you know, most people are not committed to, um truth goodness and beauty to excellence that sort of thing so i would say that um it's good to be a rebel if what you're rebelling against is the mediocrity and the negativity of the majority it's good Definitely. to be a rebel if you're if you're wanting to be an exception to the rule of people who just want to live as drones and automatons and people who are just sort of following orders i think it's yes. good to be a rebel um in that regard, and and you know, I I'll, I'll I'll we'll follow up on exactly who Andy Frisella is. He's a close friend of mine. But one of the things that he says is personal personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. Yeah, and and, he, uh, and I love that. And so I would tie that into to the second part of your statement, rebel with a heart. That when you really have a heart, when you are really driven by passion, a passion for good things. Uh, that passion will drive you to, to make the most of your life and to be the best that you can possibly be. So yeah, I like I the idea of being a rebel, uh, being an exception who is committed to being exceptional. You know, So that's what it means to me.
0: That's an excellent definition, Vaughn. Bon, and I, I agree with that, first off, because I believe that what, and you know, I know what Andy talks about as well, and we've got some time to spend some time together with him. But yes, yeah. personal excellence, personal responsibility, especially when multiplied across society, that is how you create goodness. That is how you create change. And back to the idea of heart and more than just passion, but even you see my hat speaking in the context of love, it's about helping people to be, to help all people reach their potential, right? Right. And and to your point about faith, wherever you are in your faith journey to reach your guiding potential or whatever's been bestowed upon you and your talents or your skills to really use that for the benefit of helping other people in your life. I believe that's fundamentally why we're here. I I know you believe that. I know you share that. Absolutely. And so that's the core content. And from our business perspective, how do you bring that through the core context of corporate America, which Mm -hmm. to your point really is is kind of, you know, managing, you know, through systems and process, like, you know, to a certain level of success. But how do we break through that to get to a higher level of human flourishing and create better and new systems that are in line with that? individual and collective contribution. That's what I believe we're either to do as a business level. Absolutely. Right?
1: I love that you use the phrase human flourishing because within the last six months, that's been a phrase that's kind of become part of my lexicon and vocabulary. I, that's what it should all be about is how can we help human beings flourish? Yeah. How can we as individuals um, conduct ourselves in such a way that we help our neighbor to yeah. truly become who God meant them to be and to, and to help build relationships between, um, you know, between people. And I mean, I'm a little biased, but I'm inclined to think I'm right. I think that what is currently happening is we have a very, very shallow view of what it means to love and accept other people. Mm. And it basically means that we sort of uh, tacitly celebrate these differences. We basically say that, you know, whatever anybody wants to do is fine and we should accept them. And we think that that's love Mm. when in reality, love is willing the good of the other person. Yes. And in order to will the good of the other person, you kn- you need to know exactly what goodness is. And so I just the more and more people that can really understand what true love is, that it's not wholesale acceptance yes. of another person and whatever you know vices or virtues they bring. It is a it is a commitment to truly help one another become good. Yes, and and to, and to be committed to all that is true, good, and beautiful. And it's not just. Being nice to one another and accepting everything that we do. Yeah.
0: I want to, so I'm going to come back to that in the present societal context and the zeitgeist and what's happening in the world in just a moment. I want to, I want you to share a bit of your story and your journey through through life, Vaughn, because I think you have a really interesting story. Again, I mentioned you, you're the first pastor educated uh, person (laughs) we've had on this show, which I think is cool because you're also an entrepreneur. You're also just a humanitarian, you're also a teacher. you're also all the other identities that you've kind of in my view picked up along the way Ta- Tell us something about that rebellious journey, if you will yeah you've gotten here right
1: thank you uh yeah it's been a it's been a surreal journey and and it's it's a journey that that I certainly didn't make all the right decisions or all the right steps or all the right choices, but you know I think of I think that there's a great couple lines from a really wonderful uh, gospel song called All the Way that I'll, my Savior leads me. Um and and the line goes basically all the way my Savior leads me what have I to ask beside can I doubt his tender mercies through my life um through life he's been my guide. And it's been it's been my experience has been in spite of my unworthiness and in spite of my stupidity sometimes God has shown me tender mercies and has guided me in ways that I just couldn't possibly imagine. So long story short is that when I was younger, when I was in college, I felt called to be a pastor. And um, I, I specifically felt that calling when I delivered a sermon in a class. And when I delivered that sermon, and I mean, there, there was like, you know, seven people in the class. So it wasn't like I was delivering it to this big congregation. But I delivered that sermon, and I really felt just the smile of God, and I felt like mm-hmm. Him saying, "This is what I want you to do." And I felt really excited about that. So I went to seminary, um, you know, started ministry uh, in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, was a was a pastor for ten years. Had a really really wonderful experience. Um, learned what it meant, not just to love and serve people, but to be loved and served as a pastor by your people. That's yeah. something I think a lot of pastors don't allow themselves to do. They're all about loving and serving their people. And they don't open themselves up to say, okay, it's okay if you love and serve me. It, I Cause you know, love has to be a two-way street. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like ministers are so uh, focused on, oh, I want to make an impact on people's lives. And you forget, you know, you've got, you got to give people the grace of allowing them to make an impact on your life. And yeah. so I had a great experience as a, as a pastor for a couple of reasons. Um, I felt God leading me out of the pastorate. Uh, one was, was I was a Baptist pastor who felt led to enter the Catholic church. That's a whole conversation yeah. for another time. However, I will say to some of my, my, uh, my Protestant brothers, uh, rest assured, I have a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And that is what my ultimate hope is in life. Um, but the other reason is I really felt the Lord leading me into a context of teaching. Um, originally, I thought because I always really enjoyed teaching, and I always really enjoyed college students, and I felt right. like you know when you're in college, you're super you know able to be influenced. You know, right. I, I've often heard that you know people's lives were changed in college for good and for bad. I I, I had heard that frankly, a man uh, who we all know was fairly decent human being, and his life was transformed in college for the worse. And his name is Osama bin Laden. And uh, and he was impacted by one of his professors or one of his teachers. And they, he went down a, a really dark road, obviously. Yeah. Well, the opposite can happen. And so I wanted to work with college students, young people. And so um, I left the pastorate. I started working for a college, um, really enjoyed it. I taught in the communications department. I taught, I worked in the marketing department and development, which is fundraising. But in the meantime, I was getting married. So when I got married, my wife and I moved to St. Louis for a variety of reasons. Um, I had served as a pastor in Manhattan, Kansas, worked at a college in Kansas City for a variety of reasons. We moved to St. Louis. So when we got to St. Louis, me being the confident, cocky guy that I was, I said, oh, well, I'll just be able to uh, create my own job, talk myself into somebody hiring me for whatever reason that did not happen. It was very mm-hmm. humbling. So for the first nine months of being in St. Louis, I'm like, what? what is going on here? I cannot find a job. And, and the truth is like, I have a number of marketable skills and I'm a very hard worker and I could not figure out why can't I get anybody to hire me? Well, all of a sudden it dawned on me. I said, you know what? Why don't I just start my own thing? I'm good at writing. Why don't I start a a job as a, as a, uh, as a ghostwriter? Cause oh. I knew that you could make some good money ghostwriting. So that's what I did. I created an LLC. I I I kind of laid the foundation. hadn't really gotten any clients. In the meantime, there was a local magazine that needed um that needed writers. Yep. And you know, if you know much about that whole scene, I mean, you you you're lucky if you make $250 for a single yeah. uh article. So it's not like Unless they hire you on staff, it's not like you can, you know, it's not a, it's not a sustainable income just to write a bunch of articles because you're not going to make a lot of money. But I said, you know, I like to write, and um, the focal point of this magazine was they were trying to be a GQ or a uh, Esquire for the local St. Louis area, and so a lot of the stuff that they talked about, personal development, entrepreneurship, I was very interested in. So I said, yeah, I'll start writing some articles for them. In the meantime, I needed to help pay the bills. Now people always laugh and they say, well, isn't your wife a doctor? I said, yes, she is. But when she and I first got married and we moved to St. Louis, she was involved in a startup and okay. she got paid like a third of her market value. Oh. And, and <clears throat> she, yeah, she, we already had a child. So as you can imagine, Derek and those who, you know, have children in today's day and age, you know, it takes a lot more money than you think it does. Yeah, you know? And so- and so I needed, co- needed to contribute. So what I did was I just responded to the to the one company that actually responded to me in terms of my my uh, resume. It was a place called Tri-County Water and Air, and they sold br- water purification systems for houses. So, you know, you bought these, yes. these purification systems to make your water, you know, more drinkable. So I started going through the training for that. And I was kind of disheartened, to be honest with you. I was like, wow, I cannot believe you know, I had these grand hopes for myself and I'm going to be a water purification salesman. <laughs> but I was still committed to doing this thing and starting this, yeah. by the way, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with being a water purification salesman. Absolutely. Nothing yeah. wrong, but that wasn't what I felt called to. So long story short is I started writing articles. Um, I started kind of laying the groundwork for doing this ghostwriting thing. And I finished my training. I went out <laughs> Uh, on my first training call and on my way, and I remember it was a very, very bleak day in, in, uh, February in St. Louis. And I was driving out to Southern Illinois and I mean, I just remember feeling like, man, my, my dreams are dying, you know, and the phone rang and it was the guy that run the, uh, run the, um, uh, magazine. It was, he was the publisher. He said, Hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm just going out to my first sales call. And he's like, Okay. Well, he said, I don't want to throw a wrench in the situation, but, uh, we, we fired our editor. I said, really? He said, yeah, we think you'd do a better job. I said, really? He said, now we are a startup. So, you know, we can't give you a lot of money, but he threw out a number and I was like, well, that's enough. I mean, it was comparable to a first, first year teacher. Yeah. And I thought <clears throat> if I can at least make that much, I can do my other stuff on the side, sure. you know? And so I said, I'm, I'm I'm down. Let's do it. And uh, he goes, well, are you available to to actually meet with somebody and write a story this week? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I want you to meet a guy. Uh, he's a local entrepreneur who's built a, an amazing multi million dollar nutritional supplement business. Yeah. His name's Andy Fersella. And I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm even, I'm even getting like chills right now, Derek, yeah. because I didn't realize at that time how pivotal and how God ordained that whole experience yeah. would be. And so for those of you, you know, who are listening, who don't know, um, I basically met with Andy. I wrote an article about him. We really hit it off. And I said, you have such great ideas. You should write a book. And he said, I should, but I just don't have the time. He said, I'm a great writer. I just don't have the time. And I said to him, well, you know, I know a guy who just recently started a ghostwriting, uh, ghostwriting uh, business. And he said, well, throw me a, throw me a proposal. And I researched it and I threw out a proposal that was more, you know, remember I was sure as a pastor, of a relatively medium sized church. So I threw out a number that I, for me was like, Oh my gosh, if he goes for this, this is, this is going to be like, my ship has come in. He didn't even blink. He was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, that sounds great. I'm like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe this is happening. Well, long story short is we started meeting yeah, and I started asking him questions about all of his ideas and everything and started taking copious notes. And we would have these really great conversations and he had his media team record them, which makes sense because he, 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 you know, Instagram, Facebook, believe it or not. I mean, this was like 2013, still fairly early in, in all that. Right. So he starts posting his answers to our question, to my questions and people start going crazy. They're like, man, this is great stuff. Where's your where's your podcast? And he's like, podcast, what is that? We thought only tech nerds did podcasts, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and so he says to me, he says, Hey, I got, I got a, I got a proposal for you. So what's that? He goes, don't worry about a book right now. He said, uh, I think we should do a podcast and I think you should be my co-host. You have to, you have to remember, I mean, I barely really knew this guy. Yeah. We really hit it off. And I said, and, and, for our listeners who don't know Andy Frisella, great guy, golden heart. He never met a cuss word he doesn't like. And I'm a former pastor, and so yeah. I'm think I'm going to be on this show with him dropping f bombs. I mean, what if, <laughs> what are all my conservative Christian friends going to think? And um, and I just I just felt this sense that God wanted me to do this. Mm. And I said, Are you sure, bro? Because you're a you're a multimillionaire. There's anybody you could get to do this. And he <laughs> goes, Honestly, man, you are really good at asking questions. And you get stuff out of me, like nobody's gotten stuff out of me. Mm. And I said, um, okay. And it was funny because I was actually, I ended up teaching a class at a local seminary. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was going to be, I was basically teaching uh, pastors, you know, local pastors, how to be better communicators. And I asked the leaders of that seminary, I told them about the opportunity. I said, I'm just a little bit worried because, you know, he cusses. And they're like, well, are are you going to be promoting immorality on the show? I go, no, no. It's going to be entrepreneurial, personal development. It's all going to be good stuff. It's just the cussing. And they said, well, is your conscience uneasy about that? I said, no. He said, we think it's a great opportunity. It's a great opportunity. People will know you're a pastor. It's a great opportunity to to impact people's lives. So God bless you. And honestly, I've thought about that lately, Derek. Yeah, I'm like, if those guys would have said to me, oh, you shouldn't do that. I probably would have said, Okay. I trust you. Yeah. But they affirmed it. And and that opened up an a whole incredible opportunity, a platform that I never had as a pastor mm. to to impact people's lives. And 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 the truth is is that, you know, I mean, I feel like I'm bragging here and I I I this is owed I would say 95% to Andy and his genius, but I mean, within a couple of months, we were getting millions of downloads. Yeah. And we were the number one uh, business and success podcast on iTunes for, for years. Yeah. yeah. And so um, what has happened over time is that people know I'm a former pastor. And so they want to know sort of the intersection between faith and entrepreneurship or yeah. what we might say, spirituality and success. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a lot of, honestly, there's a lot of BS out there. On the one hand, you have, uh very very hyper conservative pastors who who almost think that money itself is evil yeah you should avoid it at all costs and that the only way that you can honor god is to be you know bone numbingly poor Mm -hmm. you know but you also have the opposite extreme which is what we would call the prosperity gospel which is well if you really love god he'll make you rich i mean that's baloney think about all the all of our friends in other countries who are very good people who love the Lord, but they're born into third world countries where they just don't have a lot of money. God doesn't love them. Sorry, right. I'm not buying that. So I really felt like I, I was given a unique opportunity to say, okay, here's what the Bible says about money, here's what it says about success, excellence, all that stuff. And so, I mean, it's been a wild ride. And uh, we 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 actually wrapped up that podcast. It was, it was called the MF CEO project because Andy refers to himself as the mother and CEO, you know, but we're restarting it again, uh, probably in uh, January, 2023. And uh, I'm excited about it because he's grown as a person. I've grown as a person. We both progressed uh, in our, in our entrepreneurship and, and the different projects that we've been involved in. And so I'm, I'm really, really excited um, about doing that with him again, and it kind of awesome. fits into my overall brand right now, which is yeah. faith, entrepreneurship, spirituality, and success. So I,
0: I love that story, man. It's really, really powerful. And it's really fun, and you can you can see the depth of it. And I agree. Even before you said it, I could feel the connecting of the dots happening, as if there's an yeah. invisible hand there just guiding the way. Yeah. Two Questions. One. Why? Why are you restarting it? What? Besides the fact you both grown, is there a particular yeah. motivation or kind of a catalytic reason they both? Yeah. Asked, we need to redo this now. Like, yeah,
1: that's a great really great question. So the answer is that um, you know, when we finished up, we felt like there was we had said everything that we needed to yeah. say and that it was a really good body of work for anybody who wanted to learn about entrepreneurship and personal yeah. success. And then at the time, Andy felt led to go into the direction of something more political. And so he's had a show called Real AF for the last yeah. couple of years addressing <laughs> some of the real issues that he thought are super important that are going on in our culture yeah. politically now it wasn't really that he and I had a difference of opinion about that per se. It's just, I didn't feel God calling me into a political, um, yeah. you know, uh, show. And I actually moved back to uh, Manhattan, Kansas, because I really wanted to raise my kids in yep. a smaller environment. And I started focusing on developing some of my projects and working for a ministry and then doing some other things on the side, like coaching. I had, a, um, actually, as of now, I I do have a, um, a virtual community, um, but what happened is, after doing the show for a couple of years for Andy, he kind of started thinking again, like, you know, what I've been doing the last couple of years is is valuable. It's not that it's not valuable. But he kept on thinking, you know when you when you have a political show, you're really dealing with symptoms." Yeah. And the root way that we're gonna transform society is to transform peep, individual people and get them committed to personal excellence. Yes. And get them committed to truth, goodness, and beauty and, yeah. and being exceptional. And so he said to me, He said, You know what? That was the main focus of the MFCO project. And he said, I think, I think we need to get back to that. And he said, And frankly, I've had a lot of people tell me, um, and this is not in any way a negative thing on his current co-host with Real AF, because actually I think Andy's going to continue doing real AF, but he said, a lot of people have said that there's just something about the combination of me and you that is really uniquely effective. Yeah. And, um, and so he wanted to do that again. He also, he also, uh, believes that there's a whole generation. I mean, you know, this was like three or four years ago, there's a whole generation of young people who haven't really heard it. And so for us to make it live again and do it fresh and, and, and for us to be, um, more evolved as people yeah. bring in additional experiences, we think we have a real opportunity to impact people's lives.
0: Love it. Well, I wish you much success with that, obviously. And it's Thank very you. resonant, as we've talked about, very resonant with the work that we're doing as well around personal excellence, personal, Absolutely. personal growth. Absolutely. Right, and all that. I wanted to comment on something and ask a question. You mentioned it a few times, and I think it's a really uh, admirable quality of yours that you felt called, like you talked about feeling called by this and called by that and called by this, but, you know, in the context of different pursuits and your purpose, right? And purpose, obviously something that's a fundamental element, I believe of a core human need, right? Yeah. Especially as you develop, you know, actualizing certain areas. How do you, how do you tune into that? Or like, what's, how has that process been term revealed to you. How do you hone that? How do you refine that? Because I think that's another area where people may not. There's a there's a back to rebellion, Flack very term, sure, like that, the ability to, to listen to what's being given by the greater good, if you will, yeah. versus yeah. what is your own unique kind of ego or motivation or drive. And how have you cultivated that intelligence? Right?
1: Yeah, that's a great question, Derek. And, and this is what comes to my mind. So in the Bible, you there's a pattern. And the pattern is that you have just a normal, everyday Joe, who's pretty much like the rest of the crowd. Yeah. And what happens he is he's given this amazing vision of who God is. And once he sees who God is, and in all of his glory and greatness and mind-blowing power, that person is changed. And that person has a sense of purpose and a sense of mission that they didn't previously have. And I think of, of Isaiah chapter six, where the prophet is basically living among a people who are I mean, I hate to say it, but kind of like Americans today we're just we're just kind of lost our way, right And there's a lot of societal ills and he's kind of part of that. And what happens is he goes into the temple and the Lord graciously gives him Lord appears to him yeah and he shows him how amazing he is and Isaiah's like, oh my gosh. I had no idea that God was as great and that there was there was a source of truth and goodness and beauty that was as amazing as yeah. as you are. and the immediate thing that happens to him, is that he's terrified? He's terrified that he has seen this really amazing person. And he's terrified and he's like, oh crap, I'm dead because I'm I'm a loser. I'm totally a loser. I totally fall short. But God graciously says, No, 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 no. And then he, and then he says, I, I forgive you. You know, I'll extend your mercy. I'll extend your grace. But then he says, hmm, who wants to do something for me? In so many words last That's what the scriptures say. Yeah. God says, Who wants to do something for me? And Isaiah's like, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so he he all of a sudden has this sense of calling and this sense of mission and this sense of energy and enthusiasm of what he wants to do with his life. And the reason I bring that up is that I think that a lot of people in, in um, life, in, in our culture, they're just kind of listless and they're, yeah. they're going around and they're like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't, I don't you know, what, what am I supposed to do for a job? What am I supposed to do to find real purpose in life? And I think what they need to do first and foremost, yeah. Especially if they're people of faith, is they need to seek God. They need this, they need to sit down with God and say, Lord, burn your burn who you are in my eyes. Let me see your greatness so that I get motivated to go want to go out and do good in the world. And so um I have this prayer. And, and actually, I think it's a prayer that re- regardless of where people are at in their faith spectrum, even even if they're like just Barely anywhere. Like they have a very, very basic belief in God. I think this is a prayer that people could pray. You can say, Lord, show me who you are because when I see who you are, I will know who I'm meant to do. Let me start over. Lord, show me who you are because when I see your greatness, I will know who I'm meant to be and know what I'm meant to do. Mm-hmm. That's the prayer. And so I'm, I guess when it all said and done, I, I think people should just ask God, as, as much as you can understand who he is, you know, I, I, I don't believe in quote unquote the universe, yeah. but if that's where you're at right now, start with that, you know, just throw yourself on something bigger than yourself and say, show me who you are. And when I see how great you are, I'll know what I'm meant to do and I'll know who I'm meant to be. And, um, and that's, I, that's what I would tell people to just ask for that, ask for that calling, because I think God will, God will reveal it to, to you. And then on a practical level, I mean, this is getting really practical. Yeah. I'm a writer. So I believe in what's called free writing. Free writing is a tried and true method for kind of untangling your thoughts and going deep into, into knowing what, you know, what you really believe. So what you want to do is you want to set a timer for 10 minutes at a time, do this multiple times a, a week until you get some clarity, Yeah, set a timer for 10 time uh, 10 minutes, and then say, uh what just write, what am I supposed to do in life? Question mark. What is my calling? Question mark. And then start writing. And the key about free writing is you literally don't stop. You have to keep your hand moving. It's got to be stream of conscience. You don't edit yourself. It doesn't even have. So literally it can be nonsensical. It can say, well, I think I might be called to work with teenagers. Uh, what's for dinner tonight? Uh, what movie is my, am I going to with my wife tonight? Uh, okay. Back to the teenagers. Uh, what, what, what's the mission God has called me to do with teenagers? Okay. i have some laundry I need to do. Like, don't censor yourself. Just go, go, go for 10 minutes and do that multiple times. And then when you're done, go back and do what I call panning for gold. which yeah. is take a highlighter, start reading back. And, and if there's something, if there's some thought that really resonate with you, highlight it. And go, okay, God, is this what you're trying to tell me? Is this the direction you're leading? Because I think a lot of us already deep in our hearts know uh, what we're called to do in life, but, we, but it needs to come to the surface. Yes. And by asking God to reveal that to us and by free writing about it, you can clarify that process.
0: Yeah. I so thank you for that lesson. I think that's very helpful. And I, it comes to mind even as a level of almost like pseudo channeling, right? Because you're letting your mind go, you're letting literally the spirit, for like a better term, kind of take over, right? And just say, what's what's just kind of in the ether that's meant to, it's meant for me, right? Yeah. That's like what you're ultimately doing and you're putting into physical form, On paper, right? And then you're checking that. So, and I think to what your point is back to the heart, right? Back to this idea. I do, I agree. I think that each of us has on some level, that purpose, that deep purpose that is part of what we need to really tune into to figure out. And that's, that's the cause we need to really rebel for, right? uh, To go against the grain, to make sure that that comes forward. And then to your point, the community is there, the people are there to help you refine and foster and provide discipline for and to shape that effectively. So it benefits more people, right? I think, and I think that's to your comment about listlessness. I think it's just that people are not really willing to go there, right? I I think we've gotten to this, we've gotten to a very, you know, we're easily entertained. We're easily distracted. We, you know, we're, we live here, we, right. we spend so much time in the mental and not even the mental, but like the reactive mental, right? right. Like where we're not even, like, we're not even in contemplation mode. We're, in, we're just like d- drone on mode. Right? right. And what we needed to really do is connect the mental to what you're doing, the contemplation, the reflection into what is this really like, I, like for me personally, that's why I ask special in college. You can literally feel, I can feel like when those, when those different aspects are kind of clicking together. Right. I mean, like there's a physiological response in your body when you're on that path when you're responding to that deeper wisdom or that higher purpose or whatever whatever language you want to put around it i believe that there is definitely a quote unquote internal instruction guide that that helps that and that's part of what we're doing is we're helping foster that helping to help people Absolutely. identify that helping them give them the tools That's what you're doing too giving them the resources giving them the lessons giving them the reference points and giving them feedback on how they can apply that but ultimately it still comes down to you need to use your own internal kind of guidepost and kind of check against that. And that's absolutely uh, to do that. So no,
1: absolutely. You're so right. And it, it's just, you know, people know this, but they need to be reminded of this. You can go so deep if, if you don't allow yourself to be distracted by your phone or by yeah. any sort of technology. And so obviously whether you're praying about it or whether you're, you're, uh, writing put your, I mean, it's fine to set a timer for your phone, but put it away, put it away where so it's not going to be distracting. Yeah. Um, I love that term you use, reactive mental, because that's what most of us are doing. When we're using yeah, our right. minds, we're reacting. We're not going deep. We're not really thinking about our lives. We're not, we're not cultivating silence to hear the voice of God right. and, and to hear our own-
0: Contemplation is the word that comes to me a lot recently. On absolutely. That, to contemplate, to sit in, in silence, to literally just, to your point, the same thing you're doing on paper, you're doing kind of a mental audit of it. Like, what are yeah. the thoughts that are coming up? Like, what is that? Where does that come from? Like, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cool.
0: Why is that there? What's, the, what's driving that? What's the significance of that? Like, that's the stuff that I think, I don't know. I feel like that's a lost art in some ways. Uh,
1: right? Absolutely.
0: Like, think absolutely. about how time you and I are of a similar generation. It's yep. wild to think how much time you can pass by on your okay. phone. When I think back, just, we used to spend hours just sitting in silence and bo- almost boredom, right? Yeah. But yet, there was a certain spaciousness in that, right? right? Like, just things would just kind of naturally bubble up for each per- for people and absolutely there was a depth to that right uh, well and
1: thank god for boredom because what happens when kids are bored eventually they can't take it anymore they're creators and they start getting creative exactly. and using their imaginations and that's the problem that we've had lately is that we don't want to lack be- of imagination right so instead of cultivating our own imaginations we just go look at memes right you know it's sad really it is and i'm you know I, I'm just like everybody else. I enjoy a good meme, yeah. you know, but it's like, it's like anything. You have to keep it within its proper place in your life. Yeah, if You're looking at memes for a couple minutes a day and you're laughing. Great. If it's eating away at your soul and your time, then that's a problem. Yeah. And, and what most people I, I think don't realize is that we in this culture have gotten to the point where we have to be really, really intentional yeah. about putting those boundaries on, because if you're not, you're going to get swallowed
0: up. Let me ask you a question. Nothing was probably our last question for now, but it's a pretty root, it's a root question at yeah. right, that point. How, how do you define or how, how does one define, right? Object goodness, right? When you boil it all down, you get to this simple level of what we're, you know, back to the, what we're really here to do. Like, how do, how do we, how do we foster that? in the collective society, right? How do we, how do we, call, yeah, <laughs> that's a huge question. I know that's what it goes back to the root question, right? It's the, yeah. root, right? Like,
1: that's yeah.
0: like, that's what I believe. Like what? It, yeah.
1: So go ahead. Well, okay. So, I mean, obviously I'm coming from the standpoint of, uh, of the Christian faith. And, mm-hmm. and I personally don't believe that you can define good and evil unless there is a, uh, universal, you know, standard of good. And that is, that is, that is God, you know, God is infinite goodness. Sunum bonum is what the Latin says, ultimate goodness. Um, And so, you know, take, take the 10 commandments, for instance, you know, most people who are not even Christians or not even religion, religious kind of know basically what the 10 commandments are, but, you know, some of the key ones that we, we, we know about are thou shalt not murder. Well, it, that's not just a commandment. Of something to do because it's right, that's a commandment because it's a reflection of God. Thou shalt not not murder because God is life. Thou right. shalt not commit adultery because God is faithful. You know thou shalt not um, you know envy your your uh, your neighbor's possessions because God is the source of all good and gives us right. blessings that we should be content right. with. So there's a really great book. It's a very hard book to understand, but there's a great book called The Abolition of Man by a, a Christian writer named C.S. Lewis. And he talks about he talks about something that he calls the Tao. And what, he's, what he means by the Tao is he says, you know what, regardless of the uh, differences in the major world religions, and he does say there are differences and they are significant and meaningful differences. He says, if you look over at the history of the world, there's been a core group uh, set of, of codes of morality, of, of codes of goodness that all religions and really whether it's like a major religion right. like Judaism or Christianity or Islam or a, or a minor you know little sect that happened in yeah. you know Japan in the early 1100s there's a core group of morality that all people at all times have recognized okay and he said that's at least a starting point yeah. that should be a starting point for for any culture and i got to tell you this idea that we have in america of we're just allowed to define ourselves however we want to define ourselves right. and choose our own path. We think that that's an individual freedom that we have the right to do. Yeah. That is going to be the death of our culture if yeah. we don't get a handle on it. And to me, the, 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 the move toward goodness that I think we should, should be the starting point is that all people of goodwill should say, to take a deep breath and say, okay, it's 2022, we're not we're not better than all the people who have lived before us yep you know we're not morally superior instead of instead of saying well we know better than they do let's look back over history from the beginning of the time till now and say what have all cultures agreed this is these the foundation,
0: right. this is foundation
1: this yeah. is right and wrong yeah. and and if i think if we start with that then we can lay that foundation and then we can have the that really great discussion the christian can have the the, the loving discussion with the Jew as to well, who is Jesus, you know, or the Christian can have the loving discussion with Islam of, OK, well, why, why are you guys more into Muhammad than you are Jesus? And we can have those civil discussions, yeah. you know, but but if we don't have a base of morality, a shared morality to even be decent and good to one another, then that's dangerous.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I'll just kind of close with a thought in response to that. Back to the first, uh, loving God with all aspects—heart, mind, soul and all aspects, and then your neighbor, your neighbor is yourself. I mean, that's the core concept. Like at an essence, we are all living. We're all here in life. We're all celebrating, quote unquote, our collective consciousness and experience of life, which, if you want to call it, is the essence of God. Right. Right. Our responsibility is to be there, be present, be receptive, and consultative to. Our fellow human beings. That's that's right. the that's the Tao at essence, right? That's the that, right. that is the basis, the baseline. It right. Just create the space for goodness to flourish, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Anyway, this has been a really fun chat. It's really Thanks a very, for having me. Very, very, spiritual, very spiritual chat, and I've really enjoyed you sharing your story and your heart bond. And just continue to wish you much success. How can our listeners and viewers learn and and contact or you know, a, you know access you uh, if they yeah, do
1: to Simplest way is just, I, I invite you to visit me at VaughnKohler.com, V-A-U-G-H-N-K-O-H-L-E-R.com. And then um, I do largely have a third party uh, running my social media now, um, just for various reasons. I wanted to step away from it, but I am more more most active on Instagram. So it's at Von Kohler. Um, If they go to my website, y'all can find out about my coaching and, and some of the, I, I have a book and just, I'll, I'll trust them. They can just go there and find out uh, more about me. But I'd love, you know, I'd love for you to reach out if you want to email me uh, with any questions. That's totally fine.
0: Amazing. Well, again, thank you all for being here. Thank you all our listeners from all of the heart. We will see you on the next episode.
1: All right. Thanks, Derek.